Time for our Milwaukee Economy Briefing. Tim Sheehy of the MMAC, the MMAC president, joins us in studio. Greetings, Tim. Greg, Amy, great to be with you. Big news yesterday, of course, Governor Evers signing into law the stadium funding package. It was a celebratory event. Tim, I know you've been you know working on mm-hmm. this for quite a long time, probably feels like forever. But we're finally here. It's no longer rounding third heading for home, crossed home plate. But now what happens, right? What's what's the maintenance schedule? What will fans see come opening day now that we're kind of launching into this? Sure. The, the signature by the governor yesterday starts in motion uh, assembling a new board. And then that new board has the responsibility for negotiating a new lease with the brewers. And then that new lease would trigger the expenditure of the $500 million of funding that's in there, winterizing the ballpark. Uh, and also um, investing in you know new seats and the things that keep the ballpark front and center as a great place to play baseball. How does this deal compare to what other cities have done? Was there any ever any thought that we weren't going to have the Brewers here through you know the next twenty seven years? Well, Mark Antonazio said yesterday, no, he always wanted to be here. But it's a great question, Amy. When I think about the Brewers being the smallest market in Major League Baseball playing in the same stadium for 50 years, it's almost unimaginable. Um, I think of Atlanta and Dallas as two markets who are on their second stadium in the same time frame that we're still playing through our first and will be now through 2050. So it's really a testament to the lease that's been in place, the funding that's been there, and the care that's been taken to the ballpark. Uh, quite noticeable was that uh, there's no scoreboard anymore at American Family Field. W- was that part of this funding package, or was that a separate sort of deal that they'll have one front-facing for next season? Yeah, another good question. That's uh, taken care under the existing lease. Uh, the scoreboard that was there, the video board, is 10 years old. It was running out of replacement parts. And so $12 million was set aside to put in a new video board, which will – um, be larger and have the best quality of any uh, board in, in Major League Baseball. And so that was part of the current lease. And part of what I said is put us in a position to extend a lease and not build a new ballpark. So you mentioned the board switch. Is that is that bittersweet for you, right? I mean, you, you were part of a district board that you know helped push through the new funding. That is a major accomplishment. We know there's going to be turnover there, but but what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, so so the new board will be 13 members like the current board, but it'll be appointed by the majority leader, by the speaker, and by the governor. And I serve at the governor's pleasure. And if he chooses to reappoint me to the new board, um, fantastic. But, um, it, you know, it, it really is a testament, not so much to the work that we did, but to all the board members who came before us that put us in this position. So, again, it's a public service um, happy to continue serving. If the governor decides to go in another direction, that's his you know, prerogative. Let's talk about the winterizing and to get multi-use out of this ballpark. What's involved with that? Well, it's $25 million. It's a big, <laughs> uh, obviously a big building with lots of um, leaks. And so this is, I think, an effort to put in place winterization so you can reasonably be inside that ballpark for a concert or a basketball game on shoulder ends of the season. It's a way to draw more fans uh, into uh, the experiences there. It generates more revenue and it generates more tax dollars. So it's an important part of the whole package. I like that you said a basketball game because they had one there uh, about a year ago, a little over a year ago. That's a roll of the dice. You you don't know what the floor conditions are going to be. You don't know if it's going to be kind of slippery. I remember Marquette tried to play on an aircraft carrier. That was an awful idea from the start. (laughs) Uh, You know, it's humid in South Carolina. Who knew? And they couldn't play the game. 
So, but the idea that you could have that yeah. there, I don't think a Final Four comes to Milwaukee specifically, but you could play college basketball there. Yeah, you could, and as you know well, the game's played in tank tops and shorts, and you don't want it sure. to be cold in there when you're doing it, either playing or watching. So this is part of what uh, allows um, American Family Field to be used for that kind of a venue. Let's talk mass transit in the city of Milwaukee, Tim. Milwaukee County Transit System announcing its recommended route for the new north-south bus rapid transit route. So what are the details of this? Where's it going to run? Yeah, basically, as I understand it, it's going to run from what people would know as Bayshore on the north side to Ikea on the south. It's about an 18-mile trip. Um, I think it's projected to carry around 3,000 people. And as easy as Milwaukee is to get around by car, we have to remember a lot of people don't have cars. Um, and this is a way to give people access to important points, both north and south of the city. And it kind of equalizes the ability for people to travel, whether they're getting to work, to school, or to a job. So it's really an important part of our transit infrastructure. Well, you sort of answered the why there, but um, just a little more specifically, this is an 18-mile line, and it really reaches out to communities of color, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and so uh, you're linking people, you know, to jobs and essential services, right? So this, when would this be finished and what would be involved in that? Well, I, I think it's coming online. Um, and, you know, I think as soon as 2028, they'll have this all built out. Um, but it creates, uh, again, it runs through uh, neighborhoods on the north side. It runs through neighborhoods on the south side. And again, importantly, um, there's so much growth south of the city that this is an attractive way, I think, to get people to jobs that, that don't have cars or maybe only have one car in their family. Hey, Tim, I wanted to ask you about this. Uh, is some news today. Looks like Wisconsin has won the grant to study rail expansion from Milwaukee to Green Bay. Um, Madison, Eau Claire, right? The, the, sort of a triangulation of some of the bigger cities in the state. How big a deal is it that you could potentially have service straight up and down, right, from Green Bay through Milwaukee all the way to Chicago? Well, I think the operative word is study. There's there's a lot to be done. And usually when these things happen, the, the, the study puts in place a plan, and then the plan contemplates a significant capital expenditure to get the track ready uh, to run the trains. And so then you've got to do market studies. So there's a lot to be um, looked through here before I think this becomes a, a reality. But you're looking at, you know, as you said, Connection between Milwaukee and Green Bay. There's been a lot of study connecting Milwaukee to the Metro in Chicago, and then uh, another study that's looking at connecting Milwaukee through Madison to Minneapolis. So these are all in the planning stages, and and they take the demand to drive them if they're going to be successful. So what's the reality of that Green Green Bay route? If you can't get people to the Metro in Chicago and you can't get Madison approved, is this just another sort of fishing expedition? I mean, I I think it's firmer than a fishing fishing expedition. But again, you've got to prove that there's a market uh, to run people on those lines. There's some subsidy you can get away with, but you really have to have the demand to do it. And outside of the um, corridor between um, Baltimore, Washington, and New York, I think the next most busiest line is between here and Chicago. We've got seven trains. So that demand is, proves that it serves that market really well. In a former life of mine, I would travel down to the Quaker building in Chicago right off the train line, right? You get to Union yep. Station, walk across the street. Now I was at work. I was doing a lot of work with Gatorade at that time. So I was doing that three days a week for about three months. 
And it was amazing just how many you had to fight to get on that 6 a.m. train to get down yeah. there. You wanted to get there early because it was packed. No, it is a high demand, high volume line that serves the markets between Milwaukee and Chicago extremely well. And I think the busiest outside of that uh, corridor on the East Coast that I mentioned. Uh, I was also shushed for having a phone conversation in a quiet car, but that's a different story for another time. Uh, some good news for the week, Tim. What do we yeah, have? Yeah, good news for the week. Summerfest celebrates its 50th year this year, and tomorrow uh, Sarah Pinkeri Smith uh, will become the next uh, president of Summerfest. And if you think about it, we've only had four. She'll be the fourth in 55 years. So it's a great event, and it's great to see it transition to another great leader. No doubt about that. Tim Sheehy, he's the president of the MMAC. Always great to connect, Tim. Thank you so much. Thanks for the time.